Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery, and I'm an author, a speaker, a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. And today I'm really excited to have a very dear friend here with us today, and she's a gifted speaker, she's an editor and author, and Julie Coleman, thank you so much for joining us. So glad to be here. Thanks, Jen. And like I said, Julia, she's an author. She's a speaker. She is a member of the pulpit team at her church, and that is New Hope Chapel. She's the editor of Arise Daily, and she's a very gifted Bible teacher who really digs deep into Scripture, and she loves pulling out life-changing truths and presenting them in a way we can all understand. That's probably the most important part, and she loves, absolutely loves talking about grace, about the fears that can keep us from fully living in it, the fear of moral failure, the fear of insufficiency, the fear of rejection. I think there's so many fears tied up in this. And she loves helping people take steps that will help them really deeply anchor themselves in grace. Grace can be such a hard concept to understand, especially in our world where we're used to having to achieve and and having to prove ourselves and being cut off and discarded or rejected when we don't measure up. And so we can have this fear of moral failure that like I am beyond hope. And before we talk about that, though, I think for some people, we hear this word grace tossed about all the time, and we don't always understand what it is and why it is such good news. The word grace is literally, the literal meaning of it is undeserved favor. So uh, undeserved meaning there's nothing we can do to earn it. And so we, uh, what we have to understand is we are unworthy. We are inadequate, but God is adequate. And so he has chosen to offer forgiveness to us through, of course, Christ uh, dying on the cross and paying for our sin. And so uh, he's offering us that forgiveness, and grace is just believing, believing that his sacrifice was sufficient to cover our sin, believing that God will forgive us um, through all of that, believing what he says. And that's what he wants from us, not good works, not things, you know, good deeds or cleaning up our act or anything like that. What he wants from us is to trust him. And that's what that word uh, faith, trust means um, in in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And that's really based, grace is based in his love. Yes. Isn't it? Mercy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes we feel like if we don't behave a certain way that God won't love us. Maybe we've forfeited his love or that we can earn his love or make him love us more. And, and that's a fallacy because God's love for us is already perfect. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. It's perfect just as it is. So we're very silly if we think that there's something we can do to influence God's love. It's just not true. Right. And I think too, with that, 
that again is a concept that's hard to understand because we will not experience perfect love Mm -hmm. from other humans. We just won't. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can expect God to love us in a way that humans love us. Mm -hmm. But his love, like you said, is, is perfect and complete. And it's based on who he is. Yes. Not Not on us. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. Right. And when I think about some of our challenges for accepting grace, I think there can be a lot of fear tied up in to, to understand, to really come to a savior. We have to, we have to know we need him. Yes. Right. Right. And then that can be fearful. Mm -hmm. But that's so necessary because why would you need a savior if you can do it yourself? So it's really a part of uh, coming to Christ is saying, okay, I've blown it and I know I've blown it. And so uh, I just throw myself on your mercy. I'm going to trust that Jesus dying on the cross did pay for my sin and that you are willing to forgive me if I trust in what you say. And that's, that's basically it, but it can't happen unless we understand we're inadequate. Right. And understand too, that God will never cast us off. Mm -hmm. So many in the human world, if if we have a friend and maybe we we respond a certain way or we behave a certain way, we have experience where relationships have been broken, where we have been cut off Mm -hmm. because of our insufficiency, whereas our insufficiency causes God to open his arms wide. Yes. Yeah, he loves it just like that. I remember think about Paul when he was going through a a tough time. It's in 2 Corinthians um, 10, I think, or 12. <laughs> but anyway, he, he talks about this thorn in his flesh and he's praying and praying for God to take away this thing that's somehow inhibiting him um, from being, you know, whatever, in hard hardness free. And so while he prays, the Lord says to him, listen, my, my grace is sufficient for your weakness. And, um, and, and through your weakness, I am strong. And so it, it can, grace continues on. It's not just an initial decision in uh, deciding to follow Jesus and accepting that gift of salvation that God offers. It goes beyond that because every day, all day, we are living in God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to, because I do, and I'm sure a lot of people do slip into, oh, if I don't do this, then he's not going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about when I go to speak somewhere and if I haven't had time to prepare as much as I would have liked to, and I start asking him to, you know, work in people's hearts as I deliver um, his word to them, I always feel a little guilty, like, well, I should have done more and maybe he really won't mm-hmm. bless this effort. And, and But my him doing something for me has nothing to do with me. It's always about his grace all the time. And so we have to get out of this idea that somehow we have to earn something from God in order for us to bless him, him to bless us. Right. And you know, when, when you are talking about that, I can't help but think of a story the Bible tells, and it's a true account of when Jesus had an encounter with one of the religious elites, the the Pharisees. And so it's told in John chapter three. And what I love about this whole story is in encapsulated in this whole in this story is a verse that most of us probably have heard. The mm-hmm. the gospel verse, I guess you could yeah. call it, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. And sometimes we can just see that verse but I, I know you are a big fan of reading in context. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that verse is sandwiched in this story between this religious, prestigious leader mm-hmm. and Jesus. And I'm going to let you unpack that a little bit because I know you know a lot about just the, the Pharisees and kind of the religious system back then. So set us up. Why was this so significant? Well, first of all, you'll notice that uh, Nicodemus sneaks out at night to go see Jesus. So it wasn't something that would be uh, supported by the rest of his Pharisee uh, uh, colleagues. And so he uh, and so one of the things um, that Jesus talks about is unless you're born of water and the spirit, then you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And and uh, the thing is, Nicodemus was going to Jesus, knowing that he was a rule keeper. He kept the Mosaic law, all 613 commands. Uh, he, and he worked very hard at keeping the oral law, which at that time, it wasn't written down, but it was uh, uh, additional commands um, that the Pharisees invented. So you wouldn't even get close to uh, violating those uh, Mosaic law commands. And so all of those things are in his head and he's thinking he's okay, but uh, something's still nagging at him because he shows up and asks Jesus some questions. I do have a question for those who maybe don't understand that term. Like when you speak of the law, what mm-hmm. did that mean to a, a Jewish, uh, to someone who is Jewish, to an ancient Jew? I'm talking about the uh, rules uh, for living that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. If you think of the Ten Commandments, it's those plus many, many others that God gave them in order to live separate lives from the rest of their surrounding neighbors. Mm-hmm. And and basically, Romans tells us also that God's desire, his whole purpose of presenting the law was to show us what we talked about earlier, that we cannot keep it. We yes. cannot love God and others right. the way that we want or God desires. And so I wonder if Nicodemus, even though he, like from a, a earthly standpoint, from a human standpoint, he's like, yeah, I've got it all together. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to church. I'm, I, well, synagogue. And I'm praying and I'm donating and I'm doing all these things. So I for sure should get into heaven if anybody should get into heaven. But at the same time, I wonder if there was, you, you mentioned a nagging, something nagging. If, if there was within him just either, I, I'm just not quite, I can't quite do enough. Well, you know, the thing is when you start thinking about truly it, how you are keeping all the rules, you know, you've failed. You know, it's not possible for us to do all of that. And so to know that there's failure, then you start to wonder, well, how much failure is acceptable to God? Like 10%, 20%, 30%. Um, and you start wondering, where's the line where I can, you know, I have failed and I know I'll fail again. So where's the line where God will continue to accept me? And I think that's probably where his head was. That's total conjecture, of course. It's not in scripture, but um, it seems reasonable to me. That's what he was thinking. And I hear that a lot. And some people will say like, well, I'm a good person. And then again, it goes back to how do you measure good? And they think, well, it's not fair. I've heard this. It's not fair. Like surely God wouldn't punish a good person or whatever. But really, if you look at it, it is a very loving and gracious thing for God to remove that the the earning mentality that we have to wonder is it enough and i have to keep trying and give this this just blanket gift offer to whoever would come right and just 
level the playing field, I guess to say, and, and to take out any guesswork. It's like, you know what, this is my gift to you. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to wear yourself out. You just have to come to me. And I think that's what we see in, in this story with Nicodemus. And like you said, he, he was a man who kept all the rules and yet he was drawn for whatever reason, because scripture doesn't show he was drawn to Christ. And I kind of think it was probably because he'd, he'd, well, he at least had some kind of knowledge of who he was. Mm -hmm. He knew he was a teacher. He treated him with respect. And so he probably had heard Jesus speaking. He probably either heard of or seen his, his miracles. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder what it would, we, some of us, if we've been in the church, we've heard this story enough that we maybe kind of downplay the shock factor of what Nicodemus must have heard. And so basically he, he comes to Jesus. And he's like, I know you're a, a rabbi. I know you're a respected teacher because no one can perform the, the miracles you do if God were not with him. And then Jesus to this answers, well, no one can come to God unless he's born again. Mm-hmm. Now I wonder what would that, like what was playing through his mind when he this heard something absolutely foreign to him. It was all about what you do. But mm-hmm. with Christianity, it's all about what's been done, been done mm-hmm. for us. And that's, that was the thing that probably Nicodemus would just really struggle to grasp. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's like Christ just in one minute, he's like, all of that did nothing mm-hmm. for yourself. I mean, it probably laid the groundwork. I mean, he had some good, he had at least a worldview of a biblical worldview, a godly worldview. So he had some foundations. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like completely uh, pointless. I mean, it gave him a lot of head knowledge, but it did nothing to really reconcile him to God. And so Jesus, in one statement, he's like, Hey, bud, all those years, like that's not cutting it. Mm-hmm. You got to just let that go. For those of us who maybe ha- the gospel, when we say the gospel, it literally means good news. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it a little bit, but for those who maybe don't really understand, can you just give us a, a clear, concise, what is the gospel? I, I would say the son of God came down and, and uh, took care of our sin problem. And just by believing him that uh, we can be saved, saved from the consequences of our sins. Mm-hmm. And reconciled to God the Father. And, and that's one thing I, I learned recently is, is when scripture talks about death, it's talking about a separation. Mm-hmm. And so our separation with God. So we will not be eternally separated from God. We right. will be reconciled from here to eternity with the one who made us, who knows us, who loves us, and holds us secure. And so now once we have that peace in place, a lot of times what happens is we forget, right? Sure. We forget grace. We slip right back into the old mentality. Happens to all of us. Yeah. Right. And, and I know I've talked with you, we've, we've talked about this subject, you and I quite a bit, actually, I think, but, and I know you have a love for Peter. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to hear your thoughts. I talked just briefly about him in the last episode, and I just I relate to him because I think he was pretty impetuous, mm-hmm. and I think he just his words came out before his thoughts like caught up. So and I can do that so 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 often, but really he's a picture of 
living in, in grace, I think. Yeah, well, certainly it is because of his own experience. Um, and and uh, he was a guy, when we think of Peter, usually the first thing we think of is denial. And the fact mm-hmm. that when he was given the chance to acknowledge Jesus and to support him as he was on trial in the high priest's uh, quarters, that uh, he failed. And three mm-hmm. times he denied knowing Jesus. Um, and then, uh, you know, and you can un- understand what was going on there. I mean, he was not in friendly territory. All the people that were in that courtyard were people that were supporters of the high priest mm-hmm. and uh, and supporters of his mission to destroy Jesus. And so um, this was not a friendly crowd. And so he didn't mm-hmm. want to be identified, but yet he didn't want to leave Jesus. He felt strongly that he should be there and stay there and and uh, all the other disciples were gone, um, mm-hmm. except for one that John mentions, but we don't know who it was. But uh, that he stayed there because he loved Jesus and because he cared about what was going to happen at risk of his own life. But anyway, mm-hmm. he ended up denying Jesus three times and he leaves crying bitterly and in shame. And you just think he was the guy who was uh, told by Jesus, you're the rock and you're going to be the one um, who's going to be leading this whole thing. And so, you know, he, he was prior to his rejection. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so he knew that he was going to be someone that Jesus was going to use in a big way once his kingdom was revealed. And so uh, I imagine that as he walked away from that, that terrible scene that night, I'm sure he thought, okay, it's over. I blew it. Blew it. And mm-hmm. all of those things that uh, Jesus told me I was going to be doing done. And I I disqualified myself. Like I, sometimes when we're reading these stories, we can miss the emotional depth. Yes. And so I think we have to think if it was our very, very close friend, probably close enough to be family, if not even closer. And they were in a time of crisis and desperate need from, from Peter's perspective, like we know Christ laid down his life on his own. Nobody took it from him, but from Peter's perspective, his rabbi, his teacher, his master Mm -hmm. is in just this horrific situation. Mm -hmm. And we can imagine if that was our, let's say our daughter or our spouse or our best friend and at the middle, in the middle of their deepest need, and we denied them and walked away, that is a deep, deep point of guilt and shame and, and feelings of moral failure and, and relational failure. Yeah, he was, it was about as ashamed as he gets. And, and you can see it in his response to Jesus when he gets a chance to see him again up in the Lake of Galilee. And we see that story in John 21. But he's out there fishing. Now, Jesus had told his disciples, when all this is over, I want you to meet me in Galilee. I don't know what was in Peter's head, but I can kind of guess from his actions. Uh, they were out fishing all night. They couldn't get anything. And remember, this was Peter's old um, way of life, his, his, his old job. And so he goes back to that, which to me is almost an indication of, um, you know, I'm not going to be doing what I was hoping to be doing because of my big fail. And so, but he was in the boat and they hadn't caught anything. And this guy on the shore, they couldn't see who it was called and said, lower your nets down the other side. And so they did. And suddenly the water is teeming with fish. They couldn't even get the nets up into the boat because there were so many. And at that point, John recognizes that it's Jesus on the shore. Mm -hmm. 
And so he and John's says, one of the disciples. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was so excited and he said, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And the first thing that Peter did was to wrap his garment around him and jump into the water. Now, I always used to think that he jumped into the water in order to get to Jesus faster than the boat could. I don't mm-hmm. think that anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason I thought it was the um, NIV translation says that the boat followed Jesus to the shore. But in reality, um, I've taken Greek and learned since then that it wasn't, they weren't following, they were just coming. Erechomai means coming. So the boat came to the shore. So it opens the possibility of Peter jumped into the boat, but maybe he jumped on the other side. Maybe he Mm -hmm. started to act like he was working with the fish and helping with the nets and that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe in avoidance to actually facing the music and seeing Jesus eye to eye um, for the, for the first time since he, uh, and have a conversation with him after failure. And so as any of us would do, he was avoiding that conflict. And so he was helping with the fish and all that. They get the boat to shore and the disciples, the other disciples all jump out of the boat. But, um, and Peter, Jesus says, come and get, Give, get some fish and add it to what I've got here on the fire. And John tells us that Peter um, came up out of the water, which means he was in the water. You don't go down and you go down into the water, come up out of the water. So he was already there. And then John puts this interesting little detail and he says um, there were 153 fish. Well, why was counting the fish so important? I think Peter was counting them. I think Peter was very busy trying to avoid Jesus and staying, you know, staying out of his uh, line of sight because he's just so embarrassed and shamed about what he had done. So they have this. I'd like to to talk about that part. Mm -hmm. Uh, One and just Peter's behavior. One thing I think that we are accustomed when we mess up, who normally is the one that seeks the reconciliation. Right. And Jesus doesn't expect anything from Peter. Mm-hmm. because after they have their breakfast, he takes Peter aside and he asks him three times, do you love me? But the interesting thing is, I don't know, as a parent or as a school teacher, I would think the first thing Jesus would have said something like, do you understand what was wrong with what you did? Do you understand mm-hmm. how you can avoid it in the future? And, mm-hmm. you know, bring that, try to make a lesson out of that experience. Jesus didn't even mention Peter's denial. He just mm-hmm. said, do you love me? And remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked him three times. And I think mm-hmm. it was really to just kind of give him a chance to set the record straight for each denial. And he says, feed my sheep when mm-hmm. Peter answers yes. So what's he saying? Do the job I told you you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Be the shepherd. Mm-hmm. When my and daughter so- was was young, there was, we had, we had a family member that was facing manslaughter charges for things that he had done while on a drug, like drug run or drug stupor or whatever you want to call it. And so this was going around my daughter was like eight and she asked me one day and it was on the same day, actually, we were going to find out if he was going to be convicted, this, this family member. And she asked me, said, mama, am I going to go to jail ever? And in that moment, I knew I could answer in so many ways. I could play teacher. I could play like, well, there's consequences for your actions and, you know, you shouldn't do this. And maybe if you make wise choices or choose wise friends, there were a lot of things I could have said. Mm 
But in my, in that moment, in my heart, I knew she was asking one question. When I blow it, if I blow it, will you be there? Will your love remain? And so that's, I, I looked at her and I said, I don't know. Because honestly, as a mom, we don't know like what our kids are going to choose to do or how they're going to, to end up. I said, I don't know, but -hmm. if you do, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there. And that's what I hear you saying in the Peter story. Like when, when you said Jesus didn't come as teacher, he had a teacher and there's times he's a teacher. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, that's not what Peter needed. Yep. Peter needed grace because Mm -hmm. he couldn't undo what he'd done. And, uh, but Jesus could, because right. he could forgive it and put it in his past, firmly in his past. Right. But here's the interesting thing, Jen. He, uh, Peter's story is in all four Gospels, Mar- Matthew, Mark, Luke, mm-hmm. and John. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there when he denied. So where did the story come yeah. from? Well, it had to have come from Peter. Um, himself. And he made sure that everybody knew his story. Why? Because I think he wanted people to see mm-hmm. you can fail and he'll still love you. You can sin and you're, it'll be forgiven because of God's mm-hmm. grace. And I, I think it was really important that Mark's uh, original audience was uh, to Rome, to the Roman Christians who were about to go through terrible, terrible persecution. Nero was um, in power and bad things were about to happen. And, you know, they were going to be demanded that they deny Christ. And I think Peter's saying, look, I denied him and it's still okay because of God's grace. And I think it was really important for them to get that message, as it is for us today, of course. How does grace enable us, motivate us and enable us to change? The more grace we're given, the more we love God, um, because we understand what he's doing, how he loves us, uh, what he's given of what we don't deserve. And so the, the more that becomes clear to us, the greater our love for him will be. And of course, when you love him, you want what he wants. You want, mm-hmm. uh, you want his heart to be your heart. And so I think that that, that transformation, it, it, we get it backwards. We think if we do, 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 that uh, that's what most important. I don't think so. I think our job is to love him more. And that just becomes important um, because, because that's our motivator. That's what transforms us. We can't transform ourselves, but God transforms us and he does it through understanding and loving him. So our big goal as Christians is not to be good people. Our big goal as Christians is to set our heart on God. And when we do that, he transforms our lives. And it's really because when we recognize I I don't have strength, I don't have power. Mm-hmm. And so we come to him leaning into, just like Jesus said in John 15, one through five, as we lean into him, we stay connected with him, and then he nourishes and grows us. And so I hope that you have been encouraged by today's episode. I hope you've, we've given you some things to think about. If you're struggling, just really living deep in growth. Ask God to show you what what is keeping you. Like, do you have some fears that are are getting in the way? Is there maybe pride? Is there maybe confusion? Whatever it is, you know, lean into that. Ask Him to show you. I encourage you to pick up Julie's book that will just help you see the heart of God and draw you to His heart. And it's Unexpected Love, 
God's heart revealed through conversations to women. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, it would encourage me a lot if you would rate it, if you would leave a review, and if you would share it with your friends. Make sure to subscribe because we've got more great content coming up. And you can find the show notes for today's episode on crosswalk.com backslash podcast. And there I will also have some discussion questions. You can gather some friends around, maybe your Bible study group, and you can work through those together. So go in peace, go in grace, go in freedom. Because like I love to say, life is too short and we have way too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Catherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.